Dude. Is your, micro- your microphone's on? Are we hot? I think we're hot, dude. Am I hot, Micah? No, no, no. You're good. You're good. Hang on. <laughs> the gain seems a little... Here we go. I can fix that after. Dude, we're live. What's up? How's it going? Good, man. Um, this first podcast I've had in a while, man. It's been a while for me. I want to say like I'm nervous. First one of the new year. Dude, right? Right? Well, you're actually... You're the first... You're the first... Um, First military dude I've actually had on here. And also, congratulations and thank you for doing this because I've actually reached out to a lot of the other people and I get it. You know, you, you reach out people that you would kind of, I wouldn't say consider close, but like your friends and mm-hmm. they, uh, they just didn't respond. Yeah. So, I mean, I get it. Introvert, you know, people that are introverted, much like myself, I'm introverted myself. Um, I get it. I get it. But. You know, again, thanks for doing this. Basically, what I wanted to do was I just wanted to get a military perspective on a few things because I've been listening to, uh, do you know Sean Ryan? At Sean all? Ryan. It, His podcast. It sounds familiar because I have a friend down in Mississippi. He listens to a lot of podcasts, uh, Joe Rogan, Ben Shapiro mm-hmm. and other stuff. So I feel like he might have talked about him because the name sounds familiar. He's, um, dude, he's been opening my eyes a lot. And I've been getting kind of inspired by his podcast. Um, he's a Navy SEAL. And he did like, I think he did, you know, well over a decade. I don't know the exact specifics of how long he was in for, but he did over 10 years. Mm-hmm. And then he went to be a CIA contractor. And uh, after he was a contractor, um, he talks about things that are very kind of like taboo in the military, mm-hmm. like um, mental health. You know, and social anxiety yep. and all that kind of stuff. And like, dude, when I first came home, like one of the things that I was dealing with was I was like, man, I don't want to fucking, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to talk to anybody about this. Well, and you who know? do you talk to? Right, dude. And like, because <laughs> your friends don't know. <laughs> yeah, dude. And especially in our line of work too, you know, we <laughs> not cut out for the job. You know, those that was the mentality of the infantry, at least. Mm-hmm. That, like, it's a very, it's a very well-oiled machine. You know, and that's, that was kind of like the act or not the, um, the metaphor that a lot of the guys used. And, you know, you would have guys that come home and they get injured and then like, they're just, they're fucking like losing their mind. Yep. They're just twiddling their thumbs. But, um, so let's start from the beginning. Um, do you, do you care if I actually ask where you just came from? No, that's fine. Um, so I, uh, ride with the combat veterans motorcycle association and, uh, we got wind that there was a, uh, Navy veteran being buried today. Um, I didn't catch his age, but he had uh, no family that was going to be there. So, uh, CVMA, um, a few of us got together. There was, uh, four of us from our, uh, chapter, uh, went up there, met a couple people from the lakes region chapter up North of New Hampshire state veterans cemetery. And met up actually with um, a couple of other uh, veteran riding organizations, MCs, and uh, we're there because, I mean, it's a veteran who's near and dear to all our hearts, and also it's not right that a veteran should be buried alone. So we want to make sure. What are the age ranges in this club that you guys have? Oh, um, I'm actually one of the youngest at uh, 28, I'll be 29 in April. Uh, We have veterans from all over. We have... uh, Vietnam, uh, Desert Storm, the initial pushes into uh, Iraq, Afghanistan with the start of the global war on terror, um, a little bit of everything. 
uh, some of the, like the closest friends I've met actually are old Vietnam vets. So it's quite the um, age range and differing wars uh, across our uh, local chapter and the chapters across the state. Do you find when you know you talk to some of these guys that are that are veterans, do you find that the story is very <laughs> kind of the same? Like it's very similar, you know, the way that they came home versus the way that some of you know the younger guys are, are coming back. Because when I went to go to um, the Manchester VA one of the first times, one of the um, counselors there was he was a Vietnam veteran, you know, and he said to me, he's like, hey, you know, you're young, you're younger guys, you know, there's veterans of foreign war. We've been fighting for you, you know, to get your benefits in, in Congress and everything. And I think that there was a slight disparity, you know, between what what they went through with the World War Two, you know, generation and what we went through with the Vietnam generation. It just seems like there could be like an air of, of um, like a degree of separation, you know, when like younger guys necessarily shouldn't seclude themselves, you know, to like go to these organizations where the people that you would best understand you are like right in front of you, you know, and they just, for whatever reason, um, you know, they, they decide not to, not to join, you know, these, like you said, these, these motorcycle clubs or, you know, uh, veterans of foreign war, American Legion, you know, they just decide to go about it alone, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's like, a very odd not necessarily an odd question but there's just so many different levels to it so like um like with spending a lot of time with uh, like vietnam vets and like uh gulf war and uh, like everything everyone kind of has the same story coming back unfortunately the vietnam vets with how they were treated by the government and the public their story is always worse but everyone still kind of has that same story of you go off to war and then you come back and you're so disconnected from like civilian life, the public, like everyone around you. Then, uh, with, um, like Vietnam, um, like PTSD, uh, Gulf war, they called it Gulf war syndrome. And then, so like PTSD was always kind of that thing that was shied away from like, Oh, okay. Like, Oh, that's just the crazy Vietnam vet next door. Like, Oh, like, just the crazy old veteran like he's he's cuckoo and so like there's a lot of similarities with returning and kind of having trouble integrating back into society that i uh, talked to veterans across the last 40 years 50 years and their different experiences but all that kind of is the same but like you said with world war ii vietnam like even uh, like gulf war like a lot of people lost that camaraderie from the military and reached out, whether it be local American legions or VFWs. I mean, for some reason, my generation of veterans shies away from that. Like VFWs and American legions across the country and the state are hurting because they're not getting that membership. People aren't reaching out for that outlet. And you have a lot of the members are the older veterans and there is kind of a negative, a negative stigma with the American legions and VFWs which it's like it's right but it's also unfair so with the legions and the vfws you have a lot of older veterans like kind of the crusty old veteran that is set in his way is like oh well, like it's been this way for 30 years that's how it is like they kind of have a hard time connecting to this new generation of veterans but at the same time this new generation of veterans 
leaves themselves disconnected and not trying to integrate themselves into that. Like um, when I first came back from Afghanistan in 2014, I went to a local Raymond VFW and most of the veterans were like Vietnam era vets and everything. Like I, I show up there just kind of like, Oh, who, who's the new guy? Like, and I walk in like, I'm necessarily a shy person. I walk in like order a drink and a couple people like saw like, Oh, like this guy's like new here. Like started talking to me and, open book like willing to talk to them get to know them and then they're like yeah like well like we don't really get a lot of people here like as you see like this is like a lot of like what we get like the older veterans because like the veterans from my generation they come back either they want to kind of separate themselves from the military and like stay away from stuff like that or they're mid-20s like myself like hey like i've been off to war let's go hang out at the college bars yeah, they want to yeah. meet the college girls mm -hmm. so the issue is if we don't utilize those systems like the Legion and the VFW now, they will lose their funding and go away. And then when we hit that age of like Vietnam veterans now in our 70s and 80s, those outlets won't be there. That's the thing is that there was a guy, I remember when, uh, were you on that um, 2016 uh, brigade deployment or was that? No, I was still on active duty. So there was, yeah, some guys, um, there was a representative from the VFW that had come over and I, this was one of the first times um me you know I'm, i was a public affairs specialist so uh you know i'm covering the event and i just kind of start rubbing elbows with different people you know and that's kind of one of the benefits of why i like doing this stuff is you get to talk to people and you know i'm passionate about it and whatever whatever um i started talking to him and he just like without any disregard just walks up to me he's like the hell are you doing i'm like i'm like yeah this guy i was like yeah this guy's a crusty old he's like yep. the hell are you doing you know he's just he's like i'm like what like i'm like hi i'm josh you know <laughs> he uh but no he he ended up saying to me that you know he was he's a good he's a he's a good egg man he's like sorry if i come off as an asshole i'm from brooklyn I'm like, it's, it's, i was like hey man it's cool like i get it you know um he's i'm from new york you know or i can't even mimic their accent mm -hmm. but he um he was saying, he's like, you know, a lot of the younger guys aren't coming into these organizations, you know, and he's like, it's unfortunate, you know, that he's like, we, I don't, I don't think he's, I don't want to say that he's necessarily blaming, you know, he's not trying to blame anything. He's just like, Hey, what can we do to help? Oh, like, and that's to get, a huge to get, thing to get like, Hey, what can we do to get you guys to kind of <clears throat> potentially help us out? You know, these organizations have existed for, you know, hundreds of years, you know, they go yep. all the way back to the 1800s. Um, I think the VFW was formed uh, after the Banana Wars, which is in like 1893. Uh, again, don't don't say, quote. Don't say yeah. I got my don't, VFW card. Let's yeah. see if it's got a like, date on it. Yeah, I was gonna say don't <laughs> quote don't quote my uh, my 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 knowledge here. But um, mm, let's see VFW annual member. Nope, doesn't state the year oh, on it. Doesn't say the year it was formed. Nope. Mm. So I'm gonna just go ahead and quote you on what did we okay. decide 1893. 1893. <laughs> Watch him be like, that's <laughs> wow. How the hell did he get that? But, yeah. Um, but no, that was, um, you know, that's, that's one, one thing that, you know, I really appreciate that you guys do is that, you know, there's some, like you said, you know, I was having a conversation with my mother the other day and, uh, actually I think it was yesterday. I was having a really deep, intricate conversation with my mother and, um, cause I'm moving to Kansas, you know, so I'm trying yep. to, I'm trying to see if I can spend a lot of time with them and, you know, listening to these stories of these guys like Sean Ryan, Mike Glover, a lot of these guys that are spe special operations, you know, soldiers and 
um, the special forces community, spec ops, I don't know, you know, special forces, mm-hmm. army only special, yep. you get, yeah, you get, you get <laughs> what I'm saying, but I, I felt so fucking just like enamored by their story because they had a rough upbringing, mm-hmm. right? And they're like, yeah, I ran away from home or this, this or that happened. And I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, I'm like, dude, I didn't have like, I don't want to say I had a rough upbringing, mm-hmm. but like, I just resonated with their story so much. And I felt even more fucking connected to them. And I'm sitting here watching these two guys have this conversation. It's like, wow, dude, this is like, not to get all fucking mushy here, but I'm <laughs> like, this is the concept of like family, you know? And I think that that is like tribe, you know, like we're Sebastian Junger for mm-hmm. his book, Tribe. I think that that's a really good fucking like, you know, it's a it's a good perspective to have, and it's also like the process of like whether someone doesn't have something that's absent, <clears throat> especially like me being a former Marine. I was this guy I met. And he goes, "Man, I ain't got shit." He's like, he's I think he was like a, I think he was a black dude from like fucking New Orleans or something. He's <laughs> like, "Man, I ain't got shit," and I'm like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, man, I got shit." He's like, I fucking love the Marine Corps. And I'm just like, dude, you've only been here for two weeks. He's like, I fucking love this shit, man. He's like, dude, this shit's so much easier than what the fuck I've done. I was like, man. For my first thought was, I was like, man, they're letting anybody in right now. I was like, yep. I was like, I was like <laughs> we've met a few of yeah, those. I was, I was like, man, they're letting anybody in right now. No, dude, the guy was so just fucking like, it, it, it was as if like a confession to a fucking priest or some shit, you know, and there was like a complete transformation that took place and he was all about it. You know, and, and I, I kind of lost touch with him over the years, but, you know, he's probably still in. But to take someone from nothing and to then, like, it's a, it's a weird transformation to see in the military, you know. And a lot of people are like, oh, people in the military come from lower class families and all this kind of shit. And it's like, no, no, they come from all over. Yep. It's like they come from all over, you know. Um, but... Um, sorry, I went off on a tangent. Um, well, no, I'm there. actually going to jump in on that real quick because sure. like, one of the biggest things with the military that's hard for people to adjust to to be able to make it in the military is the structure. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that's one of the like most alluring things to those people that have like had rough upbringings or whatnot. Is, like, you have that structure that they might not have necessarily had growing up or they felt that they were missing. So you get that from the military then the big thing that we all love is the camaraderie because there are times the military fucking sucks. Dude, like, absolutely. And by the that's, same time... But you're, that's like... But dude, that's also like some of the best fucking things oh, I God, have, yeah. man, have been so... I've been so fucking cold, man. And it sucks, you know, but like, like you look at your best friend next to you, he's like, bro, this fucking sucks. Yeah, you're like, dude. And then later on, like here you are talking to another vet, just like, yeah. fuck, I remember this one time. Like, yeah. And it's just that camaraderie, like across all branches, like, oh, you're a vet. Like instantly we have that connection. Like it doesn't matter who. And like with that structure comes that camaraderie that stays with you. And like, that's like the epitome of the military. I'm even seeing, I got to reach out to, uh, you know, Demore. Yep. Demore. Uh, it's the same thing, dude. As soon as we showed up, cause, uh, you know, I transitioned from the Marines and then I went national guard. Um, you know, speaking on that, I'll, I'll don't, don't tell me not to forget this point but um you know we show up one day and he's like yep this marine i was like oh oh it's like immediately <laughs> just was like all right i know like i don't know i just immediately was drawn to this individual i i don't know anything about him 
but I'm like, oh, dude, there's like, there's a security blanket here because I don't know anyone here. Like, yep. I don't know anybody in the army. And man, you guys are fucking, you guys are fucking weird. Like the first day I show up, I was like, what the fuck, they're clapping in formation. I was like, what the hell's happening? I was like, I can clap. I was like, wow, this is so much fucking. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah the army's yeah. a different entity in itself. Yeah. And then me coming off active duty army to the guard, the guard's that was probably an even, even bigger, even different weirder. entity. So, yeah. yeah. So that was, that was weird. Where was I? What was I going to Oh, um, I want to see if I can get, um, if I'm going to get him on. Because yep. basically what I'm doing right now is I'm just trying to get as much military perspective as I can before I leave. It's kind of like a side project I'm doing. So I'm trying to gather as, as I'm trying to gather a lot of content um, to interview different people. Um, but I forgot where the fuck I was going with this. This is where I was going with it. I didn't know what I wanted to do, mm -hmm. you know, with, I, I remember I, like it was yesterday, I was sitting in my room and I was like, dude, I don't know the fuck I'm doing right now. I was like, you know, I've been to school, like it hasn't been working out. And then I'm just like, you know what? I was like, dude, I need to do something. So I just went and joined the national guard and it's afforded me the opportunity to learn, you know, being a public affairs person, um, and kind of it's, it's, it's ironic because when I was in the infantry, I didn't have any freedom to do what I wanted yep. to do, right? It was just show up here, do this, do that. And when I joined the military, I had more freedom, which is weird, which is really weird. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's funny because... You fight for other people's freedoms while yeah, losing your own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like I had, I had more freedom to do what I wanted to do, walking around and like just talking to people. And then they're just fucking people, man, you know, and that's what I want to do with this project is that like when people think of the military, I think they think of us as like this force that's like an object, you know, they, they pick, they, they view us as like a painting or something, yeah. you know, they forget that we're humans, that yeah. we're people, you know, just like them. And it's like, guys, we're not like, we're, we're, we're normal people. Like, well, with you know, that though, I feel one bad thing that's coming out from my generation that drives me fucking insane is you get all the bro vets hmm. that think that because they join the military, like they are up on this pedestal better than your everyday person. Um, like constantly like wearing the shirts. They're like, Oh, like don't talk to me. Like, like, Oh, like veteran. Well, they, yeah. They, 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 the they, disgruntled vets or like yeah, whatever. And like, just about to say that. Yeah. Like they, I feel that brings a really negative light. And so like there's, a big issue with PTSD from like our generation of military. And then you get those veterans that think they're better than everybody else because they're a veteran. Like, Oh, well, I've been to Iraq. Like I've been to Afghanistan. Like, Oh, I'm so much better than this person over here. It's like, no, you just chose a different path than they did. They wanted yeah. to go to school. You didn't know what you wanted to do. You joined the military. And so like between like the whole bro vet thing of people feeling entitled being military and the disconnect with veterans with PTSD and also I mean we've been in wars for the last 19 years and only so many people actually understand it and have been there so like you get like the public like they don't know what it's like they see they you have, they, they have, see the news and, that's and, flawed and yeah the one thing too is like as a producer you know like I, I used to make news one of the things that always I tried to do was that to let the guys know when I'm conducting journalism and this was always a, a tough it was very tough, especially when they're like lieutenants or, you know, fucking captains and they're like fucking public affairs person. I'm just like, hey, man, look, like I'm not I'm not traditional media. I'm here to make you look good. And so yeah. then, that was like my goal was to 
conduct journalism, but also dispel the myth that, you know, that, uh, you're hitting the nail on the coffin, man, because <laughs> I, I, I see it, you know, where, where a lot of a lot of my friends that I've uh, served with, they're very quiet. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the guys like I have I have friends that I've, you know, talked with and it's tough talking to them. Cause they were there when, when I was in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. you know, and when I was there, it was a very, uh, it was a very rough deployment for, for our people in the vicinity of where we were. And, you know, just listening to the casualties come over the radio and, and all these things, you know, it's like, you don't really want to tout that because like you feel kind of powerless to what can happen to other people, you know? And then all of a sudden, like you come back home, you know, and you're just like, dude, I don't know how to process any of this. And then all of a sudden you're like, you know, you're in an airport, like going home. And then I remember I just came home and I was literally walking through the airport and this kid saw me, he was Marine. Mm -hmm. He was wearing his alphas. And I didn't say, cause I, I, you know, you let your hair grow out and you want to get a break from it. I, I was letting my hair grow out and his family comes up to him and they say, Oh, thank you for your service. And I was standing within 10 feet of him. Mm-hmm. Right. And you could see his little fucking ketchup stained ribbon, you know, on his uniform. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, man, this, I was like some, some lady like just brushed right past me to like shake his hand. And I just thought to myself, I was like, I just kind of like felt ashamed. Mm-hmm. Not, I didn't want recognition for what I, knew but i just i had a different perspective because i knew that all the other guys that taught me when i was coming up to kind of like be quiet mm-hmm. and use like quiet professionalism dude like like i remember there was a, one of my team leaders he goes, fucking bitch like <laughs> fucking bitch you're not gonna fucking tap that shit at all he's like i don't ever wear uniforms i'm a real marine you know and i'm just yep. like there's that you know that i think it ties into that like warrior mentality but i can also see why some people want to tout it because they've never had anything mm-hmm. to identify with in their entire life beforehand. So, you know, there's like two sides to the coin, you know, two arguments, you know, there's always two sides to a pancake, however you want to look <laughs> at it. But I think the real thing is, is that when I was in um, school of infantry, which was back in 08, mm-hmm. you know, there was a guy, <clears throat> one of my instructors pulls up to Pulls a bunch of us. There was there was only a small group of us, because um, some guys had got rolled back in training or whatever. Yep. Um, these are all Fallujah vets. They're all fucking <laughs> insane. And um, I say that in a, in a lovable way. Um, no, you guys but, are fucking crazy. Yeah, so you guys are you guys are all fucking <laughs> crazy. And uh, so he pulls us to the side, and he goes, "You want to know what the main purposes of the Marine Corps?" He's he's like, "You want to know what the main purposes of the Marine Corps?" And we all are like kill 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 like, it's just like instant response and he's yep. like no he's like guys fucking stop he's like god damn it fucking slams his cover down he's like you want to know the main purpose of the marine corps he's like and i want you to remember this and i still resonate with what he said he said the purpose of the marine corps and the military in general is to make better citizens within america is to make better like american people through the avenue of like, hey, you don't fucking, you don't, you're not worth anything here. And then all of a sudden, hey, you know, we're going to make you a better individual, you know, and, and I really resonated with that. I was like, wow, that's 
very, I was like, you're an infantry guy? I was like, man, that's fucking insightful, dude. I was like, man, fucking put that on a plaque and put it in my room, you know? Um, but he said, he's like, the main purpose of the Marine Corps is to not defend our nation's wars, is to not do anything. I mean, it is, but in his opinion, the overarching concept was that to produce better citizens within America, you know, when we have such, like, a large divides, you know, where we're so polarized now, mm-hmm. the most polarized it seems, you know, and now we're starting to see a lot of the people that are running for office are, you know, people that are in the military. Yep. You know, so. well, and with that, like a lot of jobs love seeing like veterans like, oh, like you're a veteran because like uh, to <laughs> military saying to caveat off what you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but to, to yeah, caveat right? off that. But I mean jobs love hiring vets because like that work ethic like we know like hey there's a job to get done like because in the military when they tell you hey this has to get done or you're not going home they mean you're not going home till it's done Mm -hmm. so like the workforce loves seeing veterans because it's like hey we got to get this done like okay cool like let's get it done Uh, where like other people like not necessarily veterans like okay yeah we'll get it done like kind of like be a little bit lethargic or something but like you get the vets going and it's like, all right, we're doing this, we're doing this, like, cool. And also being a veteran, like, like a lot of times you're taught to, like, think outside the box because you're not always going to have someone there to hold your hand. So exactly. you need yeah. to be able to think quick on your feet and everything. So anytime you come up to a hurdle, like, in, like, the workforce, like, all right, cool. Like, I don't have time to go find my supervisor, go do this. So, like, I'm going to assess the situation, make an educated decision, and roll with it. And I feel a lot of times that jobs employers or whatever are more understanding of the veteran mindset and like hey we want that mindset with us because not only will you help us as a company become better but you'll also help our workers because like in the military you need to lead also so Mm -hmm. you kind of push those ideas and fundamentals onto the other people that you work with yeah and it's not to say like you know a lot of the um i've seen a I've worked with veterans and, you know, sometimes they're not always, you know, some of them, oh, I'm a fucking veteran, like getting back to getting back to that. You know, I think that what it does is it produces a certain character, you know, a certain type of individual who receives a lot more training, you know, yep. has a lot more, can understand from the perspective of like, you know, that struggle of like, Hey, you're not fucking going home, you know, and then putting them in like a nine to five job. And it's like, wow, this isn't so bad. Oh yeah. You know, and they do, and they do reasonably well, you know, they don't have to attend leadership seminars. You know, they, they, they understand the hierarchy of where they fall in, in a, in a company, you know, or the structure of a company and like their, their role essentially Mm -hmm. in, in, in what they're, what they're meant to do and stuff like that. Um, cause yeah, there's, Veterans, man, they're they're imperative to certain successes. But you know, unfortunately, on the same flip side, you know, there are some people will you know form a counter argument to that to mm-hmm. say like veterans are you know they're 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 fucking self centered, they're egotistical. It's like, well, here's the thing: mm-hmm. that person was fucking egotistical and a dick in a dick before he joined the military. Yep. You know, so it's like I don't want him to attach that veteran status so mm-hmm. it's like don't you know take it with a grain of salt you know don't say like every veteran you yeah. know, should is is a fucking tough worker but the the vet 95 percent that 95 percent that vast majority man they're 
some of the best hardworking people I've ever met, you know. But um, also with that is some people are thin skinned because like yeah. in the military, like <laughs> we're not worried about hurting your feelings. Like no, we, we will call not. you every name in the book, swear at you, spit at you, kick you to yeah. get the job done. And so like, yeah, like some veterans, like, like, I mean, I'll admit I have times that I have trouble, like kind of disconnecting the veteran mentality from day to day. Like I'll like come out like, like, okay, like you need to get this fucking done. Like why you like start like kind of like drilling into people and like, Oh wait, nope, not military right now. So like, yeah, I can see sorry. why yeah, like, I gotta, I gotta turn, I gotta, yeah. Like turn that veteran mentality off. Yeah, and yeah. so some people just can't handle that. Like, Oh, like, Oh, veterans are dicks. Like, yeah, we well, are, but that's just, cause I, I think that that ties into why <clears throat> veterans are so they're flexible. They're mm-hmm. very flexible and they can bend between two different spectrums of needing to, you know, yep. understand the military like mission mission accomplishment, but also kind of taking a step back and instead of giving it 110 percent, you know, we're maybe yeah. we're operating at like 60 to 70 percent. But our 60 to 70 percent is the equivalent of what maybe someone else would be at like their 100 yeah. percent. Like, you know, so if you take that individual who's never been in the military before, like you said, they'll get called out. Yeah, they get overwhelmed. You know, they get well, they get overwhelmed, and you know, you see that in certain civilian sectors where people have surrounded themselves with people they agree with their entire yeah. life. You know, people that agree with their opinion. You know, they don't they don't they don't seek other diversity in regard to someone's opinion, mm-hmm. someone's beliefs, anything in regard to that. So the military, um, even that movie We Were Soldiers, where Mel Gibson yep. says, We're going to what home has always been meant to be as a place where they're all there's a captain from the Ukraine, you know, and he, he talks about where all of these people come from, the culmination of different ethnicities, beliefs, all performing the same specific task, which is to defend the people, yep. you know, and that's a very like Romanesque type mentality where even the Romans did that back in the day where they would take auxiliaries and they would give them citizenship yep. in, the, in the outlying, you know, um, provinces and stuff like that and and, you know that's kind of like the how our founding fathers looked at the idea of the constitution where they Mm -hmm. were like hey you know we can give people citizenship you know that are born here or whatever um and that's a very like illuminating thing you know i think for for people to kind of like reconcile with when they're working with someone that's been to some very (laughs) precarious precarious places so, dude, I want to shift topics here a little bit, and I want to <laughs> talk a little bit more about your personal experiences and um, what you've done in the military. you mind if I pause this real quick? No, that's fine. Okay. I'm going to grab some more coffee. <laughs> All right. We're restocked. We got coffee again. All right. Um, so, dude, I'm I refueled wanna... on caffeine and hate. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, so, what I wanted to talk about was a little bit more of your um, personal background. Um, a little bit more about yourself. So going back to that perspective of the military, um, when did you decide that this was something you actually wanted to do? How old were you? Um, like I'd, I'd always expressed interest in like being a police officer, or like maybe military or something. Uh, my father was a police officer because medical conditions, he couldn't join the military. His father, uh, World War II Army vet, and my mom's father, uh, World War II Navy vet. So, like, I always grew up, like, appreciating the military, watching the old war films, everything. Wasn't necessarily against it. Then in high school, I just, 
I did not like school. Like I, I didn't like it. I, both. Yeah. I realized like, well, shit, like I'm not going to college, like scraping through high school. And I got a call from a recruiter. I was like, you know what? I'm like, all right, like I'm open to talk to you and talk to him. was looking at, uh, aviation. I wanted to become a pilot. And then, so I was like, all right, cool. Like I'll enlist, um, just enlisted helicopter mechanic. And then from there, like work, um, dropping my warrant packet, become a pilot, messed up my Dean basic, kept me grounded. I'm like, all right, cool. So I stuck with it. Then, so I was, uh, OH 58, um, armament avionics electrician, uh, worked on the electronics, the avionics. And my favorite was keeping the rockets and 50 cals locked, cocked, rated, rocked, uh, Go uh, saw some people in half that needed to be and <laughs> yeah. had a lot of fun with it. So did you, um, when you were in school, how much did you kind of like resent the aspect of traditional education? Because I, I, when I was in school, <clears> I, <throat> I, I, uh, I couldn't stand it. So I am a very intelligent person and... Like we would have reading assignments in certain classes. I'd start reading and be like, okay, like this is dumb. Like I am not going to read this because it doesn't cap like to captivate me. And it's just not interesting at all. Like it's a required assignment, but it's a dumb required assignment. So like, I'd like try to print out like the spark notes or like talk to my friend, like, Hey, like what happened last night in case we have a quiz. And then also like in class, like I would have no problem re- like reading out loud, like part of the assignments, like, cause you always have the kids like, Oh, I'm not reading to the class. Like, like I don't care. Hey, professor, <laughs> hey teacher, did you, are you going to pass in our homework? God damn it, man. <laughs> but like, yeah, I had no problem. Like, like teachers like, all right, who wants to read to the class? Like, okay, cool. I will. And I always grasped the knowledge and everything. I always like ace quizzes, uh, tests like pop quizzes never studied for anything I still don't study for tests and I just started college but at the same time like I retain the information so when they would assign homework like some classes you'd have like two to three hours of homework a night for that one class oh by the way you got like four other classes and it's due tomorrow like I'm like nah screw that like and so I, I wouldn't do homework I got into a lot of trouble with my school with that because uh, actually my school's policy was four missing homework assignments in a class it was a t- detention Five missing assignments was an administrative detention, which is an hour and a half after school. And then six was a uh, Saturday school or Sunday school, but it's from 8 to 12 on one of your weekend days. Luckily, never made it to that point. I'd always skirt the line like right at five. But and so like I'd have all kinds of parent teacher conferences and like get in trouble all the time, like at home. And so teachers be like, well, I like, why won't you do the homework? I'm like, what's the point? Well, it's. So the purpose of homework is to expand your knowledge on a topic and make sure you understand it. Well, I'm sorry if I'm like acing pop quizzes and tests, clearly I'm knowledgeable. So why do I need to take home an assignment to work on for two hours to expand my knowledge that I'm already getting A's in? So I... You know I would not do it. Drove me insane. And my teacher, like, well, well yeah, but you, it's a requirement. You have to do it. I'm like, well, it's a dumb requirement. Like, that's. You know what's a universal kind of opinion on traditional education is that uh, what I find is that the most, some of the most <clears throat> successful people in today's world are people that all, like, I don't want to say rebelled against mm-hmm. the traditional education system, but had 
issues with the way that it was the way that it was structured. Well, they have their own reservations you know? on it. Well, I mean, it's 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 a it's a it's a general base education for everybody with all these varying topics, and it's like I understand. Like, why would the, why the fuck would I want to learn about like American politics or you know like yeah. economics? Like, that's not what I'm interested in. But mm-hmm. if they're like, well, you know, you need to you need to have this foundation here so you just sit in a room and they just give you a bunch a bunch of random knowledge thrown at you and then here's a test here's what you have mm-hmm. to remember and that's you know the baseline education and i find that most people that excel in the military all had like problems with the traditional education mm-hmm. system you know like i've received numerous awards from you know, the things I did when I was overseas. Well, I wouldn't say numerous. Fuck, I got two awards. <laughs> numerous award I know. The fuck, I got Medal of Honor and everything for opening the I was door. fucking yeah. God's gift to this yeah. green earth. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know. You get the recognition. Yeah, you get the recognition. And like, just, it's that, it's just that, sh- that it, it's such a hard thing for me to, like, if we weren't on air right now, mm-hmm. I would be able to articulate it. I think it's this microphone that's still preventing you from doing that, <laughs> but um, still getting there. Uh, but the highs and lows of what we deem as traditional education, they're actually performing studies that show what we would deem as alternate education, where people go away in groups mm-hmm. and they go and they visit these places and then they get the firsthand experience. Almost like missions with church. Dude, it's the, yeah, it's the exact same thing that the military does, man. Like yep. I've got more, edu- I got a more educational experience out of the military than I ever did in school or university. I learned more about politics by joining the military. Yeah. Because like in school, like I realized like, oh, politics are important. Yeah, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, but like with the military, like you kind of really start paying attention to politics because guess what? Depending on which politician is in office yeah. affects your job and your future in the military. Yeah, so it does it really, it really in all reality, and it does. you have where to you self-educate could, where you could, where you could go, where you could, you know, where you, what your mission is going to be, mm-hmm. you know, but I think that that's with that same token. The military also has, has to remain apolitical. Like you can have your belief system, even if you don't agree with it, you know, you're still going to have to perform your job, Yep. you know? And I think that that's a very humbling experience for some people because some people would rebel against that. You know, yeah. they wouldn't, they, they wouldn't, they wouldn't abide by that. They'd be like, I don't agree with this or something, you know? So and, and, if I had a dollar for every time in the army, like one of my favorite um, squad leaders I ever worked under was Jason Maggard. Love Jason to death. He'd come up to me like, Hey Clark, we got to do this. Like, well, that's fucking dumb. Like, okay, well, you're still doing it. I'm like, well, let's just do it this way. Like, nope, we're doing it this way. I'm like, why? Like, that's fucking dumb. Like, we should do it this way. Like, well, I was told needs, like, this needs to be done this way. And so I'm telling you, so fucking get it done. I don't care if you don't like it. And like, you can have your own opinion in the military, but Mm -hmm. whether it comes to fruition or not. Yeah, there's (laughs) so many different leadership styles, you know, and and I had the future employers actually doing a thing called Veteran Spotlight. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Basically, I'm going to be working for the Department of Agriculture doing conservation, um, stuff like that out in Kansas. And one of the things they asked me, they said, hey, you know, what was your, what would you say um, your military career, or not career, but your military experience has helped prepare you for this specific job? And I said, all the different, <laughs> so yeah. the different leadership styles and learning how different everything can be, but also <clears throat> working with different types of walks of life 
you know, the intellectual guy who kind of like is like timid. He's like, I don't know what I should be doing. Mm. And it's just like, all right, man, I got to kind of take charge here because this guy doesn't really yep. know what the hell he's doing, you know. And then all of a sudden you get that guy that's completely overtly confident. He's like, we're going in like this. And like, it's hey, like, man, oh, just, whoa, take a step whoa, back. Dude we're, just, <laughs> we're, dude, we're just going outside to rake some leaves, man. You know, like chill, chill, man. You know. Well, the military, like you learn to be flexible because mm-hmm. with different leadership styles, like you kind of have to like, so like you said, you have that one leader that like, oh, like, oh, I don't know. It's like, okay, we need a decision. Let's fucking make one. Like I'm about to make one. Then you have that one that is just so headstrong, ready to dive into everything. It's like you said, it's like, bro, we're just going to rake leaves. Like we're not like storming yeah. Fallujah right now. Like yeah. calm down. So you learn to kind of adapt to your surroundings and the different leadership styles that you're working with. Yeah. And one of the things that I also, one of the people I want to get on here um, is I want to get an officer's perspective. Mm. on things because from our from our perspective as enlisted yeah we're at the bottom know, of the totem yeah we're at the <laughs> bottom so our our job is to perform to perform the task you know and i sit here and i think to myself like with all the public affairs <clears throat> officers i've worked with and all of the different leadership styles you know sitting here thinking to myself i'm like man as a as a lieutenant or an officer you know like you said you have to implement a decision mm-hmm. you know and that leadership that comes with it where you're going to have to instill and also trust that you know you can't be micromanaging your guys to make yep. sure that they can conduct this task. You know, like there's that saying, I don't like micromanagers, but this is how you make them. Yep. You know, where like if something doesn't go wrong, where they're not trying to micromanage us, we can perform the task. You know, and um, I mean, even when we uh, when we came back from, you weren't in Germany, were you? No, I wasn't. Um, when uh, we came back from Germany. Uh, all the officers from upstairs started coming down and they started helping us with the tents. And so it's kind of like this, it's like, Oh shit. Like, are we, are we, are we, are we, are we, are we twilight zone yeah, right like, now? Are we, are like what's we too slow right now? But no, it was just that we just, they were like, Hey, you know, we're not going to, the bigger mission was that, Hey, we want to get the fuck out of here today, but this is what we need to do. So everybody fucking came downstairs. Like fucking Sergeant major was down That's there all- fucking moving these tents so that we could, we could, we could air them out. Um, for this thing that we had to do. It was just a few things we had to do for annual training, but there was everybody, everybody well, was down there. It was like leaving grayling. Like, um, I don't know if you happen to see it or cause I know like you're like with pictures and everything, but we had like quite a few of the captains and like majors, like coming in, like helping us like tear down tents and everything. Cause they're like, Absolutely. like, Hey, like, like we want to get out of here. And we've all seen it. You have the officers that stand off to the side, like supervising, just watching everyone work. Like, well, I'm an officer. It's like like I'm, yeah, like I, I'm above yeah. that. And then you have the officers that like, most of the time they were prior enlisted. Like, oh, cool. Like, this is what we're doing. Why are we standing around watching them work? Cool. I'm going to go get my hands dirty with the Joes. Yeah. Listening to Jocko Willing's podcast where he <clears throat> talks about um, being a Navy SEAL, uh, a Navy SEAL officer. Now, he was, dude, he's fucking old school. He was all <laughs> the way back in like the 90s. And, dude, he's one guy I really look up to when it comes to uh, listening to the different types of leadership. And, Man, he goes, he goes, he thanks, man. He goes in depth on like the principles of leadership and like why you know you should be you know kind of cool with your guys, mm-hmm. but not so. Like it's a it it all what it all comes down to for me is balance. Is that like if you get too close with your guys as as an officer, then you go to tell them to do something, they're like, ha ha, lol, sir, you know, like. Well, you have to have that balance between respect and fear. Yeah, sir. Are you you serious? Like, yeah, you have to go do this. I'm sorry. I'm a lieutenant. I can't. I can't do that. I got to go back upstairs. Sir, this is bullshit. You know, and then there's like 
that like you said that intricate balance between we got to make sure that you know there's that professional that professionalism but then also we have to understand like we have to carry out their decisions that they're doing you know mm -hmm. like you're gonna walk up and be like high five and you know the, the fucking brigade colonel and, hey sir you know what's going on what's going on like brian or i don't know his for i don't know yeah. their first name but like you know hey what's going on jonathan you know he's like i'm bitch like fuck are you you know mm -hmm. and that balance that takes place in that you know where you line up and everything yep. so i saw that a lot in aviation actually because aviation we're like we're already laid back but like i had a like quite a few like very good leaders and i remember my command star major when i first got to my unit um like I was in Iraq when I first met him and everything. Uh, I'm a little PFC, like new to the unit. Um, I deployed late to go meet up with them because they're already deployed. Don't know anyone. Slowly like getting integrated. Then like when we'd have downtime, like on the flight line, we'd be like passing a football around. Or our uh, commander used to play hockey uh, when he was in ROTC. So we had a couple hockey sticks. We'd spray paint a goal on a couple of T barriers. Wad up some. Um, duct tape use that as a ball like like kind of playing in hockey and then all of a sudden like one day a star major comes out and we're like and oh, so shit. i'm like oh okay and don Wright, like love that man i'll follow him to hell all day but he comes like so like a couple of us like new guys like oh he's like fuck you guys looking at like uh nothing star major's like okay like what's the issue and so like we're new to the military, like our command star major here, like, oh, like, what do we do? He's like, yeah. he's like, well, guys, it's like, just following the pattern uh, that you, yeah, that he's like, given to you, and yeah, yeah like the, the structure because yeah. we're new to the military, but he's like, dude, like, we're on downtime, like, you guys are having fun, I want to fucking have fun, yeah. And so we started like grilling and everything, then all of a sudden, like, the next yeah, day, yeah. he comes back, yeah. back, like, with the command hat on. It's like, so he's like, oh, hey, how's it going, star major? It's like, why the fuck are you talking to me? It's like, Oh, like shit. Like, cause yeah. like he yeah. was very good at discerning like that difference between like in downtime, like mm -hmm. it's relaxed, like, Absolutely. like he's dawn. And then when it comes time to like, Hey, like stuff needs to be going on. No, it's command start major. Right. Like, dude, I had, um, I had a team leader, same thing when mm -hmm. I was in the Marines. Right. So we're in the field and I lost my rifle. Oh, <laughs> I didn't yep. lose it, but. Someone found had, it for you. <laughs> well, it was it was you know one arm's length. Yeah. And I was on a um, was on a Humvee, and I was taking some MREs out. And so I had my bipod, you know the the yep. you know the little double bipod thing that comes out. I go out and I put it down on the ground. And so I'm moving like three MRE boxes, and um, I don't remember. It's a long time ago. I don't remember the exact details of it, but I remember they're like, "Over here, get over here!" And I was like, "Oh fuck." And I knew what was about to take place. You know, I was getting remediation for mm -hmm. a mistake that I had made. And, you know, it only it was only about like five minutes. But then we got back, you know, to the to the barracks. We had just found out that we were getting new rooms because mm -hmm. we're restructuring our yep. our platoons and our outline. So And the military loves changing rooms yeah, and yeah. everything. So <laughs> there's there's three to a room on uh, Lejeune and I remember it was like so there's three decks or three stories. Yep. And so first platoon started on the very like if you're looking at the building, they start on the very far bottom left is first platoon and then it transitions to second platoon and then so we snakes took its up, way up. Yeah, so it snakes its way up and um I was rooming with him for a bit and then I come outside and I like looked at him cause we had just, and then he's like, dude, Bo he's like, dude, just call me, just call me Doug. <laughs> he's like, 
I really don't want to do it. He's like, dude, just here, give me a beer. And he's like, just call me Doug, man. And I'm just like, uh, fucking not even, not even 12 hours ago, this dude was like fucking me up, you know, yep. like having me do pushups and shit. And then all of a sudden here he is 12 hours later handing me a beer. And he's like, dude, just call me Doug. But then as soon as Monday comes, you know, he's like, bitch, you better call me fucking Lance Corporal, you know? And I'm yeah. just like, I think that that adaptive uh, adaptability, you know, and that flexibility mm-hmm. is, is dude that you don't you don't get that anywhere else man oh yeah like, you don't get that anywhere else and it's like that <laughs> that's why i'm laughing about it now is it's like i fucking love it man it, it's, like, it's so it's, normal yeah, to us yeah, but it's yeah. not it becomes, outside the military yeah, it like becomes normal you know and then like i think for some people that they don't they don't know how to turn that off you know they yep. just kind of still tout that they tout that around because even when we were in germany it was kind of a similar thing you know some guys were like military like i'm just like dude like i was like, I don't want to tell people i'm, I'm I, I keep my i keep i keep it very low-key mm-hmm. as a as a i know it's like i keep it low-key we're doing fucking podcast talking about the military um <laughs> the reason being is, is i wanted to protect my family from the things that were very detrimental to me mm-hmm. you know in my development and all sorts of stuff so i think that a lot of people in the military also kind of you can kind of see that similar similar kind of you can gauge whether someone has you know had certain experiences or not you know and they're like fucking 0311 usmc and i'm just like dude who are you he's like i just got out of boot camp like two days ago and i'm like or i almost graduated boot camp so wait you didn't what what are you who are you like yep. you, and i'm just and then i just don't say a fucking thing and then i just walk away and i'm like hey man you do you man yeah you know, the people what, with their identity crisis yeah dude you do what makes you happy man you know that's really what it is so you just do what makes you happy that's my thing i'm all for happiness if you have to tout you know a fake image you're only lying to yourself in the end yep and so it's like hey man do your thing that's cool with me it doesn't doesn't bother me you know, the moment they start, there's like a, a threshold mm-hmm. where I find where some people start kind of like, and I think you understand what I'm saying is, is if they start disrespecting certain things, then that's like when we, when we, step that's in when we step in, like, okay. Like, and it's like, Hey man, there's limitations <clears throat> to these things, dude. Like you can't, you can't say that. Yeah. Like you can't say that you can't do that. You know, like, yeah, man, like I had friends that died and it's like, dude, all right, man, like you, you <laughs> got to. I know, I know you're bullshitting. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta stop, man. Like you gotta stop. There's limitations to this. And I think that that's another thing that the military teaches people is confrontation is that we're not afraid to confront someone about something, you know, where someone will say something, but they don't expect to get called out on it. You know, where we yeah, because like a lot of people are like timid and shy. Then all it takes is just one person because most people like, as soon as you step up to them, they back down. Like they're shy. It's like, and well, that's how people get away with things. Yep. You know, that's what that's what I, I listened to Joe Rogan talk about this, where someone was stealing a comic's jokes. Mm-hmm. And then he's interviewing a guy named Bobby Lee, who's another comic. And this was when Carlos Mencia mm-hmm. was stealing everybody's jokes. Yep. And then Joe Rogan confronts Carlos Mencia on stage and causes this huge stir, fucking ended his career. And he says to Bobby Lee, he goes, oh, yeah, well, I don't really like confrontation. And then Joe Rogan goes, well, dude, that's your problem. <laughs> he's like, that's your issue. He's like, that's why guys like that get away with kind of shit because you're afraid of confrontation. Yep. And, you know, there's, again, there's a limitation to confrontation. Like, I don't want to fucking stab the guy in the face. Well, yeah, there's you know, a like, time and place, which yeah. some people do have an issue with that. Like, some people, like, 
so like there have been times like I'm like, okay, like do I need to step up? And mm-hmm. so for me and like from the military is, is it worth your time? Cause like there's like some people like as soon as there's like the, the door starts opening a little bit, they just come pounding through like the fucking Kool-Aid man ready for confrontation. And then it accomplishes nothing or makes things worse. Mm-hmm. And then you have some people that like all they have to do is just step in real quick and the situation will diffuse like, Oh, like no, like, Oh, like I'm scared. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to talk to this person. Like, no, like, like if there's an issue or something, just step up, like say what needs to be said, be like, okay, like boom, put your foot down, leave it at that. I did that to the command sergeant major in New Hampshire. Really? We had an issue with, we had an issue with, um, the public affairs section where he, there was a miscommunication, Mm -hmm. right? So the way that I was taught in Marines is this a very similar thing is that I don't want to come across as unprofessional. I respect him. I respect him as a man and I respect his rank. Mm -hmm. Right. So there was a problem where if we're gathering, it was, it was a miscommunication on our part, but also there was a problem that we had did where there should have been someone staying behind to monitor the, best warrior competition mm-hmm. we all left at the simultaneously to go pick up a vehicle i also want a dunkin donuts coffee so if you're listening sergeant major i'm sorry <laughs> but um so we all left simultaneously to go pick up this rental car because we were all using our, our yeah. personal cars right now when we returned he there was an event or a moment that had happened where he was like where the fuck are the public affairs people and we were like oh shit like no. we're to get our, yeah we're well like, fuck like, well fuck we're about to <laughs> yeah. get our shit punched in but we didn't consult each other because we're all the same rank yeah. You know, whereas if we had someone that was higher or someone that had more experience, be like, hey, you stay back to do this. Okay, Roger, got it. I understand. Yeah. You know, I understand why we got to stay back. Well, fucking Sergeant Major shouldn't be asking where we're, where we're at. You know, he's got a bunch of other things to yeah. go that he's dealing with. So the moment passed and he wasn't, he wasn't happy. He wasn't, he was kind of pissed off. So then we, we go and we gather our material. But when we leave, we have to go back and we got to offload our photographs. We have to caption our photo there's a certain standard that we have to abide by mm-hmm. when we're captured when we're captioning photograph we got to send it to you know our public affairs officer so they could look at it and they want it at that night there's just there's all these kind of things that we have to do behind the scenes yeah. right and what people loved about me was how fast I could I could send stuff up and caption things and offload and all that kind of stuff um, but he comes and he's like where the fuck are the PA people again but this is when we didn't leave to, yeah. go, to go get Dunkin' Donuts. This is when we, you know, are, are actually processing our stuff. And it's about like 7 o'clock or so. Mm-hmm. And there's not very much light outside for a camera. So he goes... You're past the blue hour? Yeah, I think so. My mom does photography, so I, yeah, I've yeah, heard yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> he, uh, we're, we were past that that time. He goes, where the fuck are these people? So we had it some some start first class. I don't know. Comes and finds us. And he's like, hey, you know, you guys need to be out and about we're like well hey we're, we're we're trying to work right now and he's like well he doesn't understand that so we had to kind of like talk to one of our superiors and then that superior goes and talks to Sergeant yep. major and then acts as a buffer between him being frustrated <laughs> and then passes that information to us and i'm like i don't fucking like this i was like i don't like this this slight animus not animus oh, yeah. but this weird energy that's taking place so i just walked right up to him <laughs> and i was like hey Sergeant major look like our mistake, you know, on our behalf, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. And I just had a fucking 10 minute conversation with him about it. <laughs> and that was like, and dude, we we're totally fine after that. And he's like, wow, that was, he's like, kind of like fucking being a man, you know, like well, walking yeah, up like, to him and just being like, hey, sorry, major, you know, look, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to fucking like, I don't want to give you an excuse, 
but it's just kind of like, hey, we'll try to, we'll we'll try harder, kind of kind of type shit. He fucking ate it up. Dude. He's like, all right, fucking. So I ran into that, that a few times, like on active duty, like. So my my thing and got me in trouble a couple times because I remember one time, like I got in trouble because some. Uh, staff sergeant was like saying something and like they were totally out of line and I didn't appreciate it so I just decided to voice my opinion on his opinion and um he he got mad at me like like what do you say like I was like so like I don't even remember what it was this was probably like five six years ago but he uh was kind enough to explain to me that he outranked me so I was wrong and so since he was kind enough to explain something to me I was kind enough to explain to him that all that meant was his parents fucked before mine did. So he was born sooner and could get ranked sooner. And he did not appreciate that. Mm. And because like I have no problem with confrontation. There's been times like uh, some leadership like, oh, this that's like, OK, like I'm just going to go straight to the source and then straighten it out. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, why are you just like, why is Specialist Clark going to go talk to the commander? Or why are you talking to first arm? Like because there was confusion. I was able to fix it. Like, oh, well, like, no, like, you got to like talk to, like, like, no, like, why? <laughs> See, that's what we're talking about is, is, is when it comes to the military, there's, there's initiative, you know, which is very interesting in the way the U.S. Army or, or the, the military itself runs the structure of our type of military <clears throat> command structure where, you know, in the Marines, you know, you say you, you should know the job of the person two steps above you and you should understand what the person is doing two steps below you as well. You know, so you have this understanding of what's, of what's always taking place in case you need to step up, Mm -hmm. you know, and like you were saying, you know, it's kind of like a game of chess with certain situations that you come across in the military where it's like, Hey, I don't agree with, I've always had some (laughs) issues with guys in in the Marines. Believe me. Um, I didn't see eye to eye with one of my squad leaders, Yep, you know, been there, (laughs) but I, I respect him to this day. He was, extremely hard on me but you know i still have like fucking issues sometimes with how fucking much shit he put me through you mm-hmm. know like running me through certain scenarios and like fucking scream like dude he was a fucking hard-ass motherfucker um but there was a reason for it you know um and that game of chess where you can kind of pick up on okay this guy's never held a position of power in his life before you know <laughs> yep. and he's going to exercise that power and he doesn't care that everybody hates him he's going to exercise he it the wrong because, way <laughs> yeah because he hates himself so he's going to bring everybody down with him but then you get that other person that's like doesn't want the position yep. where we see like a Jon Snow kind of type character in you know Game of mm-hmm. Thrones where it's what they call the reluctant leader where he doesn't want to take on the aspect of leadership because he's so critical of himself mm-hmm. and that criticality is that, is that even a word criticality is yeah <laughs> i will pass that <clears throat> idea of being so hard on yourself actually earns you way more respect mm-hmm. than any other type of leader you know and that's the kind of people that i i kind of move towards you know and there's different styles of leadership you know there's people that are more passive there's people that are like very hard charging you know and i remember one guy uh, when I was in the Marines, won't say any names, um, but when you go to a sniper platoon, mm-hmm. they don't give a fuck about your background. Yeah. Right? <laughs> they don't give a shit about your fucking background. So they call it the state platoon, surveillance target acquisition, which is where the scout snipers are, right? And 
in different battalions, it depends. They can go to H&S company or they can go to weapons company because mm-hmm. in the Marines, we have the Army has weapons. Um, they're attached to the squads. I think the infantry squads, again, I'm, don't quote me on it. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't integrated with Army infantry yeah. very often, but I know that the weapons guys in the Army are um, they're in their, uh, what is it, different squads. Where in the Marines, we have a weapons platoon who then get integrated to the other uh, rifleman platoon. So mm-hmm. it's like, hey, we're taking second and third squad. We're putting them with first platoon and whatever, whatever. And the same thing happens with the snipers. Mm-hmm. So that's why they put them in their own platoon in an entirely different infantry company so that they can conduct their own training and then they can, you know, Kind of get supplemented in when exactly, necessary. Exactly, exactly. <clears throat> um, so, but in order to go to sniper platoon, you have to go through an indoc. And that mm-hmm. indoc, they don't give a fuck what rank you are. If you're a lance corporal, you're an E3, and there's a sergeant that wants to come over who's been a squad leader for the last four years. They don't care. They're still going to treat you like shit. And so this guy who was in my infantry company, who's a fucking hard-charging guy, didn't ever do any of the stuff with his guys. Like, you know, he's like, yeah, I got him fucking running up and down the quad, you know, doing buddy rushes and all this kind of stuff. But then you would never see him doing it with them. <laughs> right? You would never see him doing it with them. So I'm kind of like, I'm above that. Yep. You know, I sh- I've, I've seen enough shit. Yeah, I'm going to go to Sniper. I'm going to go to the Sniper. The, the Sniper platoon. He was there for a day. <laughs> he was there for a day. Because he couldn't be taken out of that leadership role. He didn't like being, going back to square yeah. one, and being humble enough. Being no different than the guy next to him. Exactly. And so there's a, there's a, there's a weird thing with that, where some people can't <clears throat> push that reset button, where they have to go back to being humble. You know, where me, it's like, hey, I've been in for, I did seven, you know, my total military career, I did seven years, you know, and, you know, when I came to the National Guard, the first thing I'm worried about is people are going to start yelling at me for a haircut, you know, so I remember like the first few drills, you know, these, these guys are like, dude, you, you know, people that didn't know me very well, they were like, dude, you've been overseas and like you did this in the infantry. And I was like, sure, you know, (laughs) sure. And I just started sweeping. And then one of the guys, one of the sergeants, but Boyer, get the fuck over here. Yep. <laughs> you don't have to be sweeping, man. Have the other guys do that. And I was like, uh, you sure? And he's like, yeah, man, don't worry about it. But I was, I kept my mouth shut. And I knew walking in that I was like, hey, you know, I, I got to go back to square one. I can't, I can't act as if my fucking shit don't stink out here because they'll pick up on that. Mm-hmm. You know, so I needed to kind of like maintain that humbleness to walk in. And I'm not sure if people can be taught that. You know that that maybe maybe they can be taught it through. I'd say yeah that that is a good point because don't really necessarily think it can be taught, but like in my experience, um, the people that want to be the leaders and strive for like those roles and positions, they're the people that shouldn't be in it because mm. like going back to like the John Snow, like the reluctant leader, like the people that are like kind of foaming at the mouth, like oh like I need to. Like I need to be the squad leader. I need to do this. Like they're usually the ones that are in it for themselves because whether they didn't have like any authority before or like whatever, like it comes down to them wanting it for the wrong reasons. I uh, had a squad leader right before I went to Afghanistan. I had quite a few issues with him um, before he got his stripes and everything. And he had a chip on his shoulder because he had been a cook before, like deployed and everything, and uh, came back, um, was a specialist, and 
uh, reclassed to be aviation and got busted with Spice back in like 2010, whatever. I remember Spice was a big, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so he was mad because he didn't realize it was illegal because the policy came out when he was in Iraq. I got it. You don't stay up to date with policies or anything, but my thing is, you you know, it's like just you like it's, it's just like marijuana. So, mm-hmm. how are you going to try to hold the militaries? Oh, like I should have been promoted, but like they uh, hit me with this, and like I didn't know, and blah blah. It's like, dude, like you literally drove on a base with it in clear view and think you're above everything. And then we went to Iraq. Um, after I got stationed my unit and then we came back and he got a DUI like within like the first two months back. I got 15 DUIs. They never gave me a chance, man. You brought this on yourself, dude. <laughs> and like, he was mad because they threw him in the orderly room to be a clerk working with the command team, like removed him from our platoon. And like, he was one of the ones constantly like, Oh, like they're holding me back. This, that, the other, like I should be in it. Like it's, uh, NCO, like I need to be a squad leader because this is where like the unit's wrong and I can fix that. Like, then finally he utilized his time in the as the clerk for the first sergeant to kind of get in good with the first sergeant and like knock out all these like class requirements to get points to be eligible for promotion and sweet talked his way into getting promoted. So as soon as he got promoted, he got a sergeant stripes, came back to our platoon, thrown a squad leader position, and he was so toxic. And I wasn't going to put up with destroy, it. Dude, that can destroy <laughs> unit cohesion. Oh, yeah. You know? That's Me. like that's, that's 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 one thing that can absolutely <clears throat> destroy unit cohesion is that you know when officers are making decisions that they think that can carry something out is that that's one of the things is that Jocko Willing talks about is that you have to know you have to know your guys well enough. If they can carry out the task, but not to the point where it's like, hey, cracking open, cracking open yep. a beer, you know, here you go, bro, you know, kind of type stuff. But you have to be aware of that in certain, in certain, like in certain circles or certain facets of like, if he's toxic, man, that's going to destroy, you know, what it's destroying your tactical proficiency mm-hmm. and what and how you can carry out a certain mission. And you come across that in, in, in the unfortunate side of it is that sometimes there's nothing you can absolutely do about it. You know, you have to still kind of push forward with this person that is, like you said, is extremely toxic to an environment of people that are really like tight knit. Mm -hmm. You know, you come across like an extremely toxic work environment. Other times you'll, we eat our own, you know, Yep. people in the military eat their own sometimes. And, you know, I've, I've come across where I didn't want to, I didn't even want to be sharing the same bunk with the guy I was, mm-hmm. I was sitting with, you know, and I think that, you know, the military, like you said, some, it, it can be cutthroat mm-hmm. for some people. And, uh, I don't know if there's really, there's goods and bads to it. I just don't know if there's really any way we can kind of like, especially on active, you know, there's big, uh, there's, why I didn't want to go back yeah. active, man. As I was like, I was like, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, man, this guy, this, this fucking idiot is going to be in charge of me, you know? So I actually got lucky because, like, I had that rapport with my unit and my leadership. Like, I just got to close this Yep. That's, like, they knew, like, who I was. I'd established myself because I, I wasn't holding, like, sergeant stripes as a specialist, but I'd been a squad leader for a year and a half at that point. Like, I'd been holding the title because... I might not have had the rank requirement necessary, but 
Like they knew that I was more than capable of doing it. So when he got promoted, he kind of stepped in to fill that squad leader role. I'd had a couple like run-ins with him before. I'm like, all right, like right, I'll kind of see how this goes. And he uh, decided to pick a few fights with me that I knew I was right on. And I got our platoon sergeant involved, who happened to be a good friend of mine, drinking buddy, and got our commander involved because he didn't like the platoon sergeant's uh, the platoon sergeant's point of view aligned with mine, like how he was, and this squad leader was wrong. He just didn't like that I was actually putting up a fight and not conforming to, oh, well, I have rank, so I'm right. Like, no, like you're wrong. I'm going to call you on your bullshit. So we got our commander involved, and the commander shut it down. And then actually, because this all happened within like three months leading up to Afghanistan, and the like culminating point was like, like I was working with them, like didn't uh, reach out to the platoon sergeant or anything. And then, so this squad leader tried like starting an argument with me about something like, I'm, I'm not like, no, I'm Dude, not going to deal with this. Much. It's like, is this even an argument? Like, what is, what is this? So finally the two culminating events for me was we were four or five days out from shipping to Afghanistan. I was a unit armor. So mm-hmm. everyone's getting released at like 10 o'clock in the morning, 11 o'clock in the morning to kind of, hey, you have stuff you have to the do. The is a guy that hands out weapons. And oh, weapons. yeah. I was in charge of all the weapons and everything for all 120 guys in our company. And with moving weapons overseas, there's a lot of paperwork. It's not easy. It's not <laughs> so easy. So I had to do all my paperwork while all my like good buddies are getting released at like 10, 11 o'clock. Like, hey, like, Clark, let's go to the bar. I'm like, well, I still have to work. So I was staying an extra two to three hours each day, getting all that done for my commander. That way we would be good to ship out when we finally did. So he got mad at me one day because like, I was in the arms room doing what I needed to be doing, and I didn't get back to him in a timely manner. So he had the audacity to like try and like argue with me over text. I was like, well, I'm at the arms room. If you want to talk to me, you can just come here and talk to me. And he didn't like how unprofessional that was when he was the one like knew what my additional Wait, duty is this, is this over text yes that's a fucking first yeah, yeah that's, a, that's and, a problem because it's fucking text oh I, I made sure to like not leave it disrespectful yeah. but the interpretation yeah. no, could I, be because it was that's the thing. That's the thing. it's like <laughs> sir yeah sir, you know? well yeah. so like he like like showed up like oh blah 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 i'm like well i'm doing all this like well you couldn't even get like i have my phone for music right now and i have to do all this like i'm not paying attention to text like I'm like just sorry, to, I'm like just, yeah, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to do my job. And so he, like, was already like mad at me and everything. And so being a leader, like, we're about to ship out. You got to make sure your guys are like actually packing, because, like, I mean, you know, like, there's nothing worse than coming time for a movement or something, and someone doesn't have all the required stuff or losing something. Yes. Well, so he decided that he was going to do room inspections, and just to like make sure, like, oh, I got to check to make sure my guys are doing everything. So, again, I'm in the arms room doing everything I need to do, and he decides to go to my room. Like, knocks on my room. My roommate opens up. He's like, oh, hey, like, Clark squad leader, just, like, want to, like, just, like, take a peek and everything. I'm not there. My girlfriend at the time is, like, in bed, uh, just wearing her underwear, like, that's it. Um, and he decided that he was going to just go into my room to check. I'm not there. He's not allowed in my room goes into my room is that is that something that's a can i can i yep. interject here is that something that is allowed in the in the army not at all like no the, i mean i mean like her. can he can you have a, a female in so she 
That's a gray area. If you're getting ready to leave, I get that. Well, that's a gray area, but she happened to be like in our unit also, just a different company. Okay. And so like everyone was aware of it. I didn't know. I didn't know if you meant like, oh, she lives up in Alaska and she was going to to visit or something. um, She didn't have anywhere else to go. I was like, that's kind of okay. Yeah. But like she was like staying in my room, like she'd spent the night, didn't have Mm -hmm. to be at work that day. So she stayed in bed. Like, don't blame her. Like what woman doesn't love to sleep in the same bed all day? So like he walks into my room and like she's in there. Which You're upset not, me. I didn't think you were supposed to go into someone's room without like knocking first or something. Well, exactly. And that really pissed me off. That's that, just a general. That's just a general. Yeah, thing. that he went in my room and then he had the audacity to call me and start bitching at me because my room was a mess. Because I'm in the middle of packing for Afghanistan because we're leaving in like five days. And you have the like balls is, to call is, me yeah, and say is, my room is a mess. This like, is some of the things that you encounter on. People, I've, I've dealt with similar situations, mm-hmm. right? And this is kind of some of the things that we, some of the things that we talk about when people say that they're in the military and they're like, I just couldn't deal with the bullshit, <laughs> you know? And there's a, an infinite, infinitesimal amount of situations where it's like, this is, this is bullshit, yep. you know? And people aren't stupid and they can pick up on, you know, officer and enlisted. You know, you mm-hmm. see it on both ends of the spectrum. Oh where, yeah. You know, whether whether it comes from a colonel telling <laughs> a lieutenant, stupidity like, knows no rank. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, whether it's a whether it's a colonel telling a lieutenant to do something, you know, that doesn't seem it, it almost seems counterintuitive, and it also seems like a, a large lapse in judgment. Mm-hmm. You know, just from that situation right there, it seems like he had a lapse in judgment in a certain protocol that was just so common well, for it, us. And you know, part of it was he like, wanted hey, to hem me up because he had an issue with me. Yeah. <laughs> You see that in, in, in um, you see that in the Marines too. Yep. Um, there was uh, a situation where we um, I don't know if I should be saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, so we had an issue in the Marines where we were doing a movement at the same time. We were going to Fort Pickett, Virginia, um, and the whole entire company is still working. It's 8 p.m. at night, and we had been up since 5 o'clock that morning PTing, so it's 8 p.m. And so our first sergeant told us to stand by, and uh, everybody started turning on. We didn't do, All of our weapons are turned in. We don't know what's going on. We don't know what's going on. We have no idea. Stand by to stand by? Yeah, so, we're still, so it's still 8 o'clock. Now, all of our gear is situated inside of our rooms, so some guys went to the some guys went to the PX, bought a bunch of beer and came back to the came back to the bricks, and then someone started blaring music, and we all just started drinking at like eight p.m. at night while we're still at work. Our first our first sergeant comes outside. Someone drove a car up to the <laughs> drove a car up to the barracks, synced up their aux cable to their car, started playing music. <laughs> The CO comes out and sees what's happening, and he's like, "What the <laughs> fuck?" And we're all just like, "Oh shit, we're we're about to get fucked." First sergeant just comes out, and he's like, "Hey guys, it's <laughs> totally cool with it." He's like, "Hey guys, you can't be doing this in front of the CEO." <laughs> he's like, "I get it." He's like, "I get it, guys." He's like, "We're almost out of here." He's like, "All right, I'll pass you guys a word," because he understood that, like, sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes, sometimes he's like, he's like, "All right, guys, I get it." <laughs> But everybody went, and so, so, all right, you guys got to be up at three o'clock this morning. And it's he's he looks at his watch and he's like, it's now ten p.m. You guys need eight hours in order to sober up. He's like, we got to be going here in about the next six hours. He's like, 
try not to drink too much, guys. And yep. This was our this was our first sergeant, you know, and he understood the stupidity that was going on. Oh yeah, you know, and there's a lot of bullshit because they've been around place. for it too. Yeah, yeah, and there's a lot of bullshit that takes place sometimes, but it's those small, it's those those small more like ones that aren't. So that's like a giant more one that involves a lot more people, but mm-hmm. some of the smaller ones that are like a little bit more personal. Sometimes I just can't. I couldn't. I couldn't deal with it, man. Even when we were down in Dinfos, we there was a there was a person that didn't take the trash out one day, and so this is so this is how dumb this mass is. punishment. So, dudes, yeah. So listen how. So listen. I already how, know where this is going. No, don't worry. This is going to be the last one, and then and then I want to start talking about um. What time do you have? A certain time? You have I say to yeah. I, I got to be out of here by like four thirty. Okay, but so I'm I wanna, down to come back sometime yeah, so and continue wanna, this. Yeah. So I want to just um. So this is going to be a quick story. Then I just want to talk about your um time when you were in Afghanistan and mm-hmm. like your transition um, from, uh, are you still in right now? Um, going through a med board currently okay. with the guard. So um, yeah, we'll go from that to that, but we're in Dinfos and every evening it's the military. So, Hey, we're going to take the trash out where the students are responsible for taking yep. the trash out. Now, when I say students, like there are people that are reclassing that are like staff sergeants, yep. you know, and so they kind of like take charge and they're like, Hey, like, you know, we, we scheduled, They'll take charge of the cleanup yeah, and so divvy out. Yeah, so take charge of the cleanup, and, and the instructors are civilians, so they, they're super chill about it. Yep. They're just like, hey, just empty the trash every day. You know, I'm not going to fucking, like, inspect your shit or anything like that. Just, hey, you know, make sure it's clean. So one day, there's a there's hundreds of students at Defense Information School, and someone had left a bag of trash by one of the empty trash cans. And so the custodians that come by, they just take all these trash. Basically, they just want all the trash consolidated in a certain point so they can take it yep. and bring it outside the dump. To save them the trips yeah. of going yeah, to exactly. each room. Going like through each thing. Work smarter, not harder. Exactly. So someone had left like five bags of trash by the trash can that one of the custodians had just replaced. So a colonel walks by, the fucking commander of the actual school Ooh. walks by, finds the trash, and then goes outside and empties it. So oh, they God, thought that no. it was they thought that it was our class. Yeah. So the instructor comes in and she goes, This is fucking bullshit. It like starts I, I love my instructors as yep. they were awesome people, but she comes in screaming and she's like, You know what we did? We went outside to the dumpster and we found your fucking trash inside the dumpster. And we we're like, wait a second. Of course you're gonna find our trash in the dumpster because we emptied it. Yeah, like that. And so they were yelling at us, saying it was that it was that it was us who had left the trash there. Buy this trash can that after because it was a little bit. Some people stay a little bit after to study. Yep. Like after hours, so it was it was like after hours after like four p.m. So we're allowed to like four thirty or five to study the um the the people that are reclassing at least not the not the people that are new in the yeah. military. You know the, so the the people that have time in service or prior service can stick around to study a little bit more. The other people have to go back and do their you know new the indoctrination yeah, bullshit. Their, yeah, their stupid <laughs> shit. You know marching and stuff like that and. Um, so I was staying with my buddy and dude, we didn't see anything that was there. So we leave. And then for the next three weeks, we have to take charge of the entire schoolhouse's trash Oh, geez. because they thought that it was us mm. with no proof that it had happened. And so like our, our class leader, yeah. whatever the fuck you want to call it was like, dude, this is bullshit. He's like, we didn't leave that. Yeah. And they, ne- they left no room for interpretation, they mm-hmm. left no of room course. for... Anything. So we just were like, all right, Roger that, you know. All so right, guess what drive happens? on. <laughs> so guess what happens the week later? Fucking next week goes by, the same fucking thing happens. After we had been reprimanded by the entire school 
and that we were like, hey, we didn't fucking do this. So then you guys left that fucking trash. <laughs> it's like, yep. why would we, why would we, you, we already know that we were getting yelled at for this. Why would we leave it out again? Yeah. Like <laughs> someone else had done this. It's like, and you, you guys. That doesn't they, add up but, at all. But, yeah. But they, they never, they never acknowledge that they were incorrect. Of course know? not. And I, and I think that, but when you say, of course not, it's like, that's part of kind of like the detrimental aspect yep. of sometimes of the leadership that you see in the military because it's just dude it's like it's the petty bullshit man. i'll you say and like that's a small thing but there's so fucking, many small things yeah, that it's, add it's up petty bullshit like that where it's just kind of like i don't fucking have time for like this fucking day in yeah, day out weekly like time for this you know and I, and I understand from their perspective as a leader it's like they're just like oh, fuck, we gotta fucking punish someone you yeah. know like behind closed doors they're just like look guys like mm-hmm. it's fucking stupid like i get it i get it but they would respect you a lot more if you just said that to them. Yep. And we just carried it out. And that's what I've done with some of the... So I, it's how I try to do it. Whenever I've been in a lead, I'm like, guys, look, I get it. It's fucking stupid. But this is what we got to do. Yep. You know, this is what we got to do in order to in order to conduct a mission. You know, it's sometimes it's about image. Sometimes it isn't, you know. Um, but yeah. So I want to shift gears here for a quick second and make sure that my fucking laptop isn't going to shit the bed yeah. I, dude we've been talking for an hour and 20 minutes i know like yeah so um i know you went to afghanistan and we got about 20 minutes left uh, before 4 30 um so i know that i would like more time to talk about this so i'm just going to ask some yeah very I'm, I'm open to yeah. come back yeah so i'm just mind. gonna i'm just gonna ask some very superficial questions um when did you leave for uh afghanistan uh august of 13 and i returned may of 14 so i was there august, about nine months nine months <laughs> Um, what was it like before you, you left? Where, where were you? Uh, I was stationed in Fort Riley, Kansas. Um, no, I mean like in, or, in, um, in Afghanistan, where did you go? Oh, I was in, uh, Kandahar. Kandahar. Um, I was at CAF. Um, and then I spent about two and a half months at FOB Passab with uh, remote FOB about, I think an hour Southwest of it, mm-hmm. but we were kind of the southern central part of Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And what was your guys' mission when you were there? Um, our mission was, uh, so my helicopter was uh, scout reconnaissance. Um, our brigade, um, we had Chinooks, Blackhawks, Apaches, and then my helicopter for scout reconnaissance. Just essentially cover all air assets for RC South, um, southern part of Afghanistan. And my helicopter was tasked with a lot of convoy security, uh, routine patrols and um, like QRF missions for uh, infantry or special forces that we had out there and just kind of making sure like everything in our AO was running smooth and about three, four hours west of us, um, there was a river out there with a lot of like uh, like uh, poppy plants and marijuana and stuff so uh, very rich uh, like drug trade and smuggling out out west and so we was there, was there a strong Taliban presence there where they were where they they were in, they were in cahoots with a couple of the locals or yep um, or? especially like in that like I don't necessarily want to say Delta but like that fertile area mm-hmm. uh, where like the drugs were and everything so a lot of missions out there just trying to stop the drug trade and a lot of weapons coming from Iran through that area to arm the Taliban. Yeah, because that's what we dealt with too. Was there was a, a lot, all the IEDs we we never encountered a single IED lab where we were. Mm-hmm. All of them were imported. Every single one was imported because we were um, down in Helmand, 
Yep. So I think that they used, there was some talk where they were using like, dude, we could see them up in the mountains at night, you know, but we can't engage, you know, we can see yep. their fires with our IR or um, not our IR or IR. It was a yeah, white be, hot, black hot, yep. you know, you could see the fires and yeah, the, the thermals. And, yeah. With the thermals and we're, oh man, we're fucking, these guys are completely surrounding us right now, you know, yep. and we could see the fires. Um, but when you were there, so that was pretty much one of the, what was, what would be like a day to day thing for you? Um, so when I was at, uh, Kandahar, um, like our mission was just, uh, making sure that our helicopters were just mechanically sound to go out fly for their reconnaissance or whatever missions they were out. Um, a lot of times they'd come back with like either radio issues or like the uh, computer issues. So we would just do troubleshooting, um, either have to replace a component or like repair wires or something because helicopter is constantly vibrating. So like wires will unseat themselves or like, I yep. remember I was riding in one of the 53s and we're on our way to uh, Nowzad. Mm-hmm. My buddy's just sitting here with his glasses. Just, he's just sitting down and all of a sudden this just spits all over his uniform and yep. he just sits there still looking at me straight ahead. And then he just does this slow roll down like this with his sunglasses and he just shakes his head no. And I'm like, yeah. So that's like with us with the 47s, the Chinooks. Yeah. I remember one time. Um, or um, it was a, yeah, it was a Chinook. Okay. Yeah. So on. like we're a, loading up Chinook, yeah. and I look like there's a puddle of like hydraulic fluid. So my helicopter, like it, sometimes you'd have a hydraulic leak, like, but most of the time it was bad. So like I see all that and I tell the guy like, Hey, uh, like w- w- what's up with this? He's like, He's like, oh no, that's good. I was like, like, what do you mean that's good? Like, I'm a helicopter mechanic. I see hydraulic fluid. He's like, he's like, yeah, like that means it's serviced. I was like, what do you mean that means? He's like, yeah. yeah when you don't see anything, that means we're running low. It's like, oh, okay. So the fact that we can see it actively it leaking means that it's full. Like, yes, that does make sense. If there's a leak, that means there is at least still fluid. Interesting. But so that's what you're looking for, like. It goes two different airframes, it, it, it yeah, doesn't match up. <laughs> it goes against because, like, that's what people say about the SR seventy one when they saw the SR seventy one. Yeah, thing, on ground it yeah, would leak. On the ground it leaks more than anything. But yep. it's, it was designed that way because all the all the the hoses and everything yep. as it moves faster, as an object in motion has more mass as it moves a lot faster. So and you get higher up sh- in the atmosphere, yeah, like exactly. you yeah. have the so less have, air pressure and everything. Yeah. So yeah, I never knew that. And I was like, wow, that's fascinating. That's very yeah, fascinating. It's, and what's great. I mean, granted engineers always make things harder for the mechanics, but it's weird that that's how it was engineered. Yeah. yeah right. You sit there, you're like, that sounds counterintuitive. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like, no, that's how it was designed. Hmm, no yep. Um, so when you, when you were in Afghanistan, you were there in 2013. Was there much kind of going on in... Because in, I was there in 2010, mm-hmm. 2011, and um, there was a lot of shit popping off down in Sangin. Um, uh, now is that more of the out, outer-lying areas where we were. Mm-hmm. Um, where you were, was there a lot of like kinetic dynamic stuff going on? Yeah. Like, um, I don't necessarily want to say like every day, but I, I've, I mean, so I'm, what, six years removed from it, and... Of course, like all the adrenaline and everything, like I feel like we were responding to a, a tick, like troop in contact, uh, every day. I know it wasn't, but like definitely, I'd say at least once a week, like yeah, helicopters up. were like responding to something, whether it be just like a, a small scale ambush on like an infantry convoy, helicopters like going to respond to them. Um, I know over the nine month period, just with the 50 cows, because the 50 cows I was in charge of for the whole deployment for our helicopter. Um, like I, I joke with uh, my guys cause like the pilots are out there actually shooting like, 
like neutralizing enemies necessary and everything. And so we just worked on them, but I was responsible for every gun service, every gun cleaning and any gun that broke, fixing it to make sure you're back online. So go out, conduct mission. So at the end, and with the 50 cal alone, but we also had rockets and missiles, but the 50 cal, um, on the deployment, uh, I think they, uh, took out like 120 enemies or so. So like my guys at the end of the deployment, like, damn Clark, you got 120 assists. 120, man. Hell yep. Yeah, so dude, like, yeah, so yeah. it's like joking. My call of duty stats was like 120 assists, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. so like con- constantly like going with stuff and like there was always something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was always very similar for us. There was, there would be kind of some lulls, you know, usually, um, listening to, uh, what is it? Uh, Jocko's podcast. They say they call it zero tick 30. <laughs> so it's like, that's, that's, they usually will attack, you know, at the same time yep. of the day. And, you know, you kind of recognize certain patterns with things, but other times it, it can come at any moment, you know, things like that. Um, so that went on for nine months and then you came home. Mm-hmm. Now I don't mean to get, you know, again, I don't want to get too heavy here cause I know you gotta yeah. get, get going here. Uh, what was your, um, did you notice your transition? How was your transition going from like, being in such a high kinetic environment to coming back into, into normal civilian life. Like how long did it, did it take some time to kind of acclimate and a little bit and any veteran that has been on a deployment, like, you know, like the first month you have probably about three heart attacks a day wondering where your weapon is because it becomes your best friend, your closest brother, the closest sister. Like, dude, I still have dreams where I, I wake up and I'm freaking out. Because I don't have my weapon on me. And then all of a sudden I'm like, it's been 10 years. <laughs> oh my God. So yeah. to put into perspective for those that may not know. Um, so I had my assigned M16 from 2011 to 2013. I, I brought my assigned M16 to uh, Af- Afghanistan. And then when I was there, we actually got M4s. Mm-hmm. So the last time I touched this M16 was probably maybe October of 2013 and I can tell you that my weapon serial number was 7106881 so like that weapon becomes a part of you and so when you first come back like you're always like oh like kind of like trying to be the normal person you go to Walmart it's a little crowded like you don't like dealing with crowds yet like Nope. And so, like, so people are like so it. far disconnected from life. Like, like, oh my God, like you don't have this that I wanted. Like, oh, it's the worst thing ever. Like I just came back from Afghanistan. Yeah, dude, like I just, it's I just, been worse. I just had a wedding in um, November where I was attending <clears throat> and one of my buddies that was getting married, he's in the military. He, he understands, dude, I, I couldn't, I had to leave early. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't say goodbye to anybody. Yeah, I so. just, I had, I had, I had to leave because like, I, my one of my climbing friends was like, "You tried drinking?" And I was <laughs> like, Jared, I was like, "Jared, I love you, man. He's, he's a good, he's a good dude." He said, "Man, have you tried drinking?" He's like, "I experienced the same shit, but uh, it was the, it was the, it was the large. It's not, it's not, it's not anybody's fault. Mm-hmm. Any, it's not the cra- It's not anybody on a small scale's fault. And I've, I've been, I've learned that it's yep. just, it's, it's the atmosphere, the environment that." does certain things for me where I'm like, man, I need to, and need to not only that, but it's, here, it's you know? loud. It's like a yeah. sensory overload. Like yeah. it's you loud. You with so much information. You're trying to, you cause know? like with like deployments and everything, you're always hyper alert to everything going on. Mm-hmm. You start hearing noises like, okay, what is that? When you're in large crowds yeah. and everything, like there's so much going on. Like you're constantly like, like trying to fit, like looking like, okay, what is that? Like it becomes extremely overwhelming. And then if there's large it crowds trains. around you, you get, 
you almost get claustrophobic. Like you don't like, okay, like I don't have a quick egress route. There's too much going on. Like, okay, I need to step back. Like I need base. Dude, the best thing, the best thing that I've, I've honestly, this is what I'm trying to communicate with. Um, one of my things right now is Mm -hmm. actually, um, photography. Yep. Is that photography is a very good grounding technique. Oh, I can imagine for, for, for myself. And I understand it's not, it's not for everyone. Um, you know, but if anybody's listening, it's a good alternative because you can you can focus on one thing in front of you, you know, and it's like you have your viewfinder. Yep. And what's also very synonymous with photography is a lot of the fundamentals relate to, yep. you know, shooting. Like, Marksmanship. Hey, we're going to go shoot today, man. Like sh- shooting, like like with guns. Like, no, man, like, you know, a fucking camera, you know. Um, yeah, like but a steady position. Yeah, exactly. You know, and <laughs> it's like a lot of the similar things that you find with photography are very are very synonymous with you know shooting a rifle and i always found that that was so interesting mm-hmm. and, and i have a bunch of my friends um that when they got out of the military they said the same thing like some of them went to film school and they said man you know like i never knew that this was even an option well it's a me. comfort you know, thing because it's familiar yeah yeah and you see you know same some guys that come back you know they the the lacking of understanding because they don't have that that community yep. of people you know i think that that's a very strong foundation and i find that what's so cool now is that like Back in, you know, history, people weren't so privy to opening up. They couldn't tell their story like that. Again, getting back to like that quiet professionalism Mm -hmm. where they couldn't tell their story because it it was just, oh, whatever. You just, you know, there, it was, there was like a, I don't want to say a stigma, but it was just something, it was just, it's not what people. It was taboo. Yeah. It just, it's not what people talked about, you know? And so the beauty of, of podcasts like this is that like one of the books that changed my life was um a book called at hell's gate by claude Anchin thomas mm-hmm. and he says in his book in the opening in one of the opening uh prologues prologues yeah prologue, prologue is prologue prior epilogue yeah. is after yeah one of the prologues he says i needed to tell my story he's like i couldn't he's like i, I couldn't not tell my story he's like I, I needed to and you know i think that now we're realizing that not so much that veterans are completely disconnected, you know, disgruntled veteran. Yeah. It's like, dude, you're, 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 se- you're, you're separating yourself from the people that could understand you more than anything, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, me with my climbing friends, they, dude, they're just as fucked up as I am. Yep. You know, some of the most, some of my best friends like <laughs> all had fucking like fucked up crazy shit happen to them. And I'm like, Hey, we're, you know, couple hundred feet up you know it's like yep. wow this is fucking this is it's like wow my <laughs> adrenaline's rushing right now this is pretty fucking crazy you know but we all like what's weird is that we understand each other and that's like the goal i wanted to do like with this podcast and to talk to you is that you know my my main goal was to get your perspective mm-hmm. and also to show that like we're not like we're all essentially like i know is all you need is love man like yeah. i don't want to say that but we're all kind of like we all bounce our energy off each other and we're all essentially like interconnected, you know, and, you know, people that help out veterans or people that don't help out veterans or, you know, um, they're some of the best people you can connect with, you know, and I think that when people come home, you know, and they struggle with their stuff, you see a lot of this, some things with, I have a friend that's dealt with cancer, mm-hmm. you know, and she found community and, and the struggles that she went through. And, you know, I have another friend who dealt with, um, an abusive husband, you know, and, and 
I connect with her and it's like, Hey, you know, this is our, this is our story. And she goes and, you know, I won't give too much yeah. personal, but she goes, she tells her story a little bit, but there's that, there's that aspect where I can grab what she says. And I'm like, dude, I can, I, I, I resonate with that pretty, pretty deeply, you know? So, um, so yeah. on that topic, like would be a good like point to like kind of close up until like next time. So like with that, uh, you mentioned the, the book, you like need to tell a story. Like some people, they kind of need to talk about it mm. and there's so many outlets for that. And actually like I got off active duty in 2017. Like I've been on active duty for eight years. I've been to Iraq, Afghanistan, like military was day in, day out life. I come home, like I was lost mm-hmm. and like I like started noticing like issues I had like dealing with like uh, PTSD, depression, everything, and started seeing a therapist. And like one thing that my therapist has pointed out, we we uh, talk about is like joining the Combat Vets Motorcycle Association was one of the best things to happen to me because you find a lot of people with similar experiences. So I've got friends in CVMA that been in the military like same time period I have, same experiences with deployments, Vietnam veterans. Like we like we all have similar experiences in our time in the military, but they're all unique to us. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard to like go hang out with your friends that you went to high school with that you're, they're excited to see you. And it's like, Oh, like, 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 Hey, how you doing? It's like, well, you don't know anything about the military. You don't know anything about deployment life. So I, I don't feel comfortable talking to you. I can't talk to you. I don't, I don't, it's like, I don't want to, it's not that I don't want to make the connection. It's just, I don't know how I can relate my experiences of something that's been so, Detri- I wouldn't say detrimental, but something that's been the ex- the the depthness of my yeah. depth the depthness of my experience goes so deep mm-hmm. that it entails so many different details that I don't even know how to articulate this. It's like I don't understand this. So when you just walk up to someone and you can like be like, "Hey, dude, fucking want to go draw a penis on a on a porterjohn?" It's like, yeah. Dude, oh my God, I can understand this guy. Yeah, you know? like I can understand this guy, and I don't have to. You don't have to explain yourself, you know. And that feeling of like that tribal mentality, mm-hmm. you know. Because what I'm, you want to know what I'm scared of right now more than anything. What is when <laughs> I move to Kansas? I'm afraid, or what I'm realizing is that within the next month or so, if if I move, um, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, and I'm like, man, I don't know what I'm gonna do without the community of people around me, Mm -hmm. you know, but I've got, you know, obviously I've got strategies that I'm going to do and, you know, I'm going to, I essentially, I'm, I'm going to be okay. But that, but that's, that's one of the things that concerns me. I'm like, it's a hypothetical situation. I paint in my mind, like a narrative. I'm like, dude, am I going to, how am I going to function in in, without these, my, like my climbing friends, my photographer friends, how am I going to do this? So the first thing I did was I went and I typed in a veteran center and I started reaching, Hey man, you can come chill with us, man. Like we're photographers and shit. And I've already like reached out to some people yep. on social media. And they're just like, Hey man, like dude, fucking come chill with us, man. I was like, yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's like, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you know, there's, there's, um, there's a lot of things that people go through in life. And I think whether you're a veteran or not, you know, like just finding like making the connection to anyone really. and finding so the people that have the same experiences. Yeah. Yeah. You know, whether you're a climber, um, whether you're a photographer or 
you know, part of a motorcycle club, you know, I think that that's very important for people to maintain that healthy balance for themselves, mm -hmm. and, you know, um, their personal well-being. So, um, but yeah, dude, I think that that's good closing thoughts. Is there anything else uh, you wanted to say at all? Um, not really off the top of my head. And then I'll just like, like reiterate, like for anyone that like does hear this, like find that outlet where you feel comfortable. Like for me, it was the motorcycle organization, VFW, Legion, whatever. And just like, it, it's tough, but finding people the same experiences really helps. What kind of motorcycle do you have? I have a uh, O2 Dyna Lowrider. Ah, and my friends, my friends, he rides, he rides motorcycles. So he's, he's, he'll, you might see him, you <laughs> might see him, you might see him sometime soon. Um, but all right, dude. Well, hey, man, thanks for doing this, dude. I really appreciate it. Um, I know you got to get out of here. Yep. So, um, so uh, look forward to continuing the conversation next yeah. time. Brandon Clark, everybody. Thank uh, you. Have a good one.